Listener Production. It's one of the least pleasant parts of parenting, but we all have to deal with it. When it comes to small kids, the dangers of vomiting and diarrhea, the main one, it's dehydration. We want to make sure that they've got lots of fluids on board. This is Mother Doctor Nurse, our 12-week special series tackling the health and safety of our children. On this episode, our expert is answering your questions about vomiting and diarrhoea. Feed, Play, Love with Sarah Hunstead and Dr Deb Levy. We've all been there. Our child looks pale. Then there's a sheen of sweat on their forehead. And then they've puked all over your back seat. Vomiting is never pleasant, particularly when it's not yours. And competing in the unpleasant stakes is diarrhoea. Both things we have to deal with as parents. Paediatric nurse and mum of two, Sarah Hunstead, is not squeamish. And she's here to answer all your questions about vomiting and diarrhoea. Sarah, hello. Hello. Can you just give me a sec? Because I am having a few flashbacks right now because (laughs) norovirus recently hit our family and it was not pretty. I feel like this episode has to come with a trigger warning or like just a warning. Don't eat while you're listening to this podcast. Sound advice. All right, let's get stuck into it. Mandy says, fever with gastro symptoms. When is it time for the emergency department? If my three-month-old catches it, is it straight to emergency for her? So... Under six months, so a baby who has diarrhea, vomiting, or just diarrhea, or just vomiting, needs to be seen by a doctor. So absolutely, with your three-month-old with gastro, yes, they need to be seen. Straight up, that's the answer. Excellent. Well, I like that. Quick quick and simple. (laughs) Um, Gillian says, is it a risk for a baby to choke on their vomit, especially when they're in a cot? And how should we deal with that? I guess if the baby's throwing up and they're sleeping in that cot. Yeah, you know what? It's really, really interesting. I remember going in to my little one. She must have been, oh gosh, I don't know, uh, under six months at the time. And I've walked in, she's laying on her back and she's got this pile of vomit (laughs) next to her. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate. Um, But... The good thing is, is that they are phenomenal little creatures. They have protective mechanisms, reflexes and so on, that when they are on their back, that they are actually able to expel that vomit. So that's a good thing. Interestingly, if they are on their tummy, so that is if we have placed them on their tummy, then it's actually easier for them to aspirate or breathe into their lungs or choke on vomit. So that's why we always put our baby down initially on their back. And if they roll, they roll. That's not a problem. And by the time they're rolling, they've got these protective mechanisms. So that's just the key. We always, when we're putting our baby down, put them on their back to sleep. I'm just imagining if you have a baby who's throwing up, that would, I'd feel really I'd feel really worried about putting them to sleep. Um, Not that you want a baby throwing up on you in their sleep, but I remember someone saying once that actually safe co-sleeping when a baby is unwell makes perfect sense because you're able to monitor them much better when you're side by side. 
Yep, absolutely. And remember Red Nose as well, who are the gurus on everything sleep and safety with that. They have got some fantastic risk minimization guidelines. So have a look at those. And yeah, absolutely. When your baby is unwell, you want to be near them. You need to be checking on them and you need to know the red flags and the signs to look out for. And that's really, really important. And remember, if your baby is under the age of six months and they're vomiting, you really need to have them seen by a doctor. This question comes from Carly. If they vomit up all of their Panadol, can we redose or do we have to wait the four hours? Okay, I'm going to say my usual thing here, which was I was so excited by this question because I really was. (laughs) We believe you. We know, Sarah. We know. Yeah. So our friends at Poisons Information, because let's face it, they are the absolute experts. So we consulted them for this question and they have said, you know what? It is impossible to tell how much paracetamol has actually been absorbed. It really is. So the general advice is no, you can't repeat the dose. However, what Poisons Info said to us was, please, if you are not sure or you'd like to double check, just give them a ring. 13, 11, 26. They apparently get 100 phone calls a day on this. You know, I'm sure that's not the exact number, but they get a lot of phone calls a day on this exact subject. They want to talk to you. They want the question to be asked. So go ahead and give them a ring. Okay. And we'll put that number in the notes of the episode as well. So if you want to refer to it, you can. Mel asks, do you have any tips on cleaning up properly to avoid the spread? Oh, yes. So... I am one of those people who in, I'm going to, in in inverted commas here, normal times, I'm a bit of a, you know, soap, water, vinegar, bit of bicarb kind of lady. That's just how I roll around the house. (laughs) Now, when gastro comes, you can bet your bum I am I hope you find that. I hope you've noticed the, the pun there yes, as well. Yes, yes, that was very good. Okay, pun. good. Sorry. Yes, Excellent. I was just hanging good. on to your every word to see what this <laughs> information would be that the pun went straight over my head. I get the big guns out. Honestly, if you do not want to go down, and sometimes it's unavoidable, for example, if you have a norovirus in your house, which is impossible to avoid, you know, you can do things to reduce the risk. But if you have, you know, a viral gastroenteritis, absolutely getting the big guns out, such as your bleach, yes, bleach, and of course, making sure that you are washing things in hot, soapy water, that's what you need to do. So for example, when norovirus hit my family, I was perhaps not as sympathetic as what I should have been because I was too busy going around wiping door handles, washing toilets down with bleach, like doing the hot washes with loads of soap to try and prevent this. Uh, We all got it, including me. I had got very up close and personal with my bathroom floor for quite a while, but that's okay. That's another story. (laughs) But of course, we talk about the surfaces with the bleach, hot soapy water, wash things, etc. But the most important thing you can do is wash your hands, washing them with warm soapy water for a minimum of 30 seconds. Um, I like two uh, rounds of happy birthday is a really good way of doing it. And yes, hand sanitizer, second best, soap and hand washing, number one, and being really, really conscious of what you're touching and what you're doing. 
don't share stuff like you know if you've got your toddler who has getting a bit better so but they've left the crust of the toast on the plate don't eat the crusts so it's about being sensible not sharing and get the big guns out when it comes to cleaning Christy says, is it worth trying to give anti-nausea medication or should we just let the virus run its course? The good thing is, in the majority of cases, just letting it run its course is what your child needs. Um, If your child is very unwell, they're becoming dehydrated and they are seeing a doctor, the doctor may prescribe if they think it is appropriate and necessary for your child. Luckily, the majority of cases... You just let gastro run its course. But what's really important too is the fact that a lot of over-the-counter medications that you may take as an adult can actually be harmful for kids. So it's not recommended for a lot of the anti-diarrheals, um, the anti-diarrhea medications in children. So it's really important if you're worried that your child is having excessive vomiting and diarrhea, that they are becoming dehydrated, you go and see a doctor rather than giving them medication. Emily says, if they have vomited a few times but don't have any diarrhea, are they still contagious? Ooh, so this is an interesting one. So absolutely, gastro can often start with the vomiting and then the diarrhea comes later. So yes, your child can be contagious while they are vomiting. And that's why that hand washing and that cleaning up is so important. But the other thing we need to remember too is that they're, apart from gastro, there are a lot of other causes for vomiting in kids, particularly if they don't have that diarrhea. The first one that comes to mind for me is a urinary tract infection can actually cause vomiting in kids. It's one of the first symptoms that you may see. And so that's why it's important that if your child is just vomiting and they're unwell, that you do seek medical help. Don't just presume that it's gastro. Are doctors okay with you coming in when they have a gastro? Because I I imagine they'd be a bit cautious. I'm just thinking of everything that happened after COVID and how we were told to stay home when we were unwell. So what's what's the case with gastro? So often ringing up before you go in, well, you are to make an appointment anyway, but giving them a ring and saying, my child has got diarrhea and vomiting, they need to be seen, they may pop you in another room, letting them know your GP will have their own protocols with what they do. And also if you are going to your local emergency department, of course, the triage nurse will decide where you need to go as well. Narain asks, are there types of viruses in children that are only vomiting and no diarrhea, or that have both? I think they're asking, you know, are there different types of gastro where they're just throwing up and no diarrhea? So when it comes to gastro, it's, and once again, this is in inverted commas, it's usual to have diarrhea and vomiting. As I said before, the vomiting usually comes first to be followed by the diarrhea, but this isn't always the case. And, you know, as I said before, it's really important if they do just have that vomiting that you are going and seeing a doctor because it might not just be gastro. But there are lots of different viruses that can cause gastro and there are also bacteria as well that do that. So the first thing that comes to mind is food poisoning with things like that. But once again, it's about looking for the red flags and getting medical help. Shai says, should you be taking Ondansetron? Is this suitable for children? Ondansetron is a drug 
that stops nausea and vomiting. It's a rather fabulous drug, certainly as uh, it's something that I have used in the emergency department lots of times with kids, but it needs to be prescribed by a doctor. And even if your child has had it for a previous episode of vomiting, don't give it for another episode. Okay, so we're talking two separate illnesses. You need to be asking your doctor again. So yes, it certainly has its place for the children who are becoming really dehydrated and can't keep down any fluids, but it is a doctor prescribed medication. So please don't just willy nilly give it to your kids. Julianne asks, are there any natural remedies we should try? So when it comes to gastro, it's about replacing what comes out. So the real key here are those rehydration fluids, which is basically just electrolytes, salts and sugars, because we want to replace what goes out both ends. And so being able to keep your rehydration solutions, such as your hydrolyte, gastrolyte, pediolite, repolite, all of those, whatever flavors you prefer, go to the pharmacy. I like to keep the ice blocks in my fridge purely for, you know, gastro hits in the middle of the night. Let's be honest. You've got to be prepared. <laughs> yes. And everybody <laughs> listening is going out to the shops to get some electrolyte ice box. <laughs> That's right. Keep them in the freezer because you can guarantee it'll be three o'clock in the morning. So what we want to do is we're not necessarily wanting to stop the diarrhea and vomiting. What we are doing is replacing the fluids that come out to prevent that dehydration. And the good thing is, and we'll put a link to that as well, is that we want them to have a certain amount so rather than that child who's just had a massive vomit and you go, here you go, drink a glass of this. And so they chug down because they might be a bit dry and they're feeling a bit thirsty. They chug down that hydrolyte or whatever it is, and then they just spray the walls with it again <laughs> because that big amount of fluid, their stomach is going to go, whoa, hang on a sec here. I don't like it when you do that. I'm all red and inflamed and feeling terrible here. I can't process that. Let's get rid of it. So they have this massive vomit. What do you need to be doing instead is giving them small amounts frequently. So small amounts of that rehydration solution. So uh, the fact sheet uh, from the Sydney Children's Hospital Network has got a table on it that tells you exactly how much a child needs, how often. So it's a few sips every 15 minutes, depending on the size of your kid. And we'll pop that in the notes. Make sure you have that available in the middle of the night when you need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's interesting because Tara says kids hate all electrolyte supplements from frozen pops to drinks. I'm assuming she means her kids because my kids will have anything sweet. Um, any other tips for helping restore? So if they don't like the electrolyte supplements, is there something else they can have? Yeah, there is. And you have some kids who think that those icebox are a treat and you have others who go, oh, no, 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 no. I know what you're trying to do here. I am not taking that. And so you can, for example, use cordial. So one part cordial in 20 parts of water. So you're looking at about five mils or one teaspoon of cordial in 100 mils. 
you can uh, also use a juice too so about one part juice and four parts of water but the really really important thing here is that you do dilute because if you don't dilute it can actually make the diarrhea worse and we don't want that so remember those rehydration solution as they have everything in them that your kid needs so they've got the salts the sugars all of that kind of stuff um, this is next best thing but it's better than nothing Kelly asks, when should I be concerned? The bub and I are currently sick. Bub has been vomiting daily, big, heavy vomits. Sounds like she should be concerned now. Is that right? Yeah. So, oh, I tell you what, gastro is just hideous. It can, you know, it can just go on. Diarrhea can last up to 10 days. Like really, who's got time for that? Honestly, it's just terrible. So when do you need to see a doctor? If your child is under the age of six months, I know that's probably the 47th time I've said that, but I really just want to hammer that home. They're too little. They're too little. They get dry so quick. If your child has got any chronic conditions, and obviously you'll know what that is, they can get dehydrated quicker if they have chronic conditions. So please seek medical help then. Now, if in their poo, they've got any blood or mucus, then you need to see a doctor. And if they're vomit, if they're having dark green vomits, like we're talking like grass, grass green, that is a red flag as well. And they definitely need to be seen by a doctor. We expect them to have tummy pain as well. So in a baby, you might see them drawing up their legs and they're crying. Then they might have a big chuck and it's relieved. So you might notice that that crampy pain is there, particularly before they're about to vomit and then it's relieved again. But if that tummy pain is just keeping on going and it's severe they're not getting that relief from it doctor time and of course if they're showing any signs of dehydration so they've got less wet nappies than usual they're not tolerating their fluids um, they might appear to be really thirsty they might have cold hands and feet um, you might notice that their mouth is looking quite dry or when they cry that they actually have got less tears or no tears as well and you might find that you know that they're sleepy or more drowsy than usual so any of those then please seek medical help. And of course, if they're just not keeping anything down, off you go to the doctors. This is an interesting one. Mel asks, is projectile vomiting a sign your child is allergic to something? Oh, well, um, projectile vomiting can be a sign of a few things. I think a lot of us have different, you know, for a parent, um, who perhaps may be a first-time parent and sees their bub do a forceful vomit, it may seem like a projectile vomit, but in actual fact, a projectile vomit can is it goes a fair way. <laughs> like we're talking, it's impressive. Like it's pretty impressive. Um, so there are lots and lots of different causes for projectile vomiting. And if you think that your child is doing that, that's off to the doctors again. We got a lot of off to the doctors today, but it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, we'll make this our last question. Rachel says, uh, my child has just recovered from gastro, but still seems to be having frothy poos. Is that normal? So what's really interesting is that occasionally 
after a bout of gastroenteritis, children can develop a lactose intolerance. And so the, you know, from the virus caused diarrhea, they then go on to have loose poos, often frothy after they have any cow's milk products. And so sometimes just going lactose free for three to four weeks afterwards. Um, But once again, I'm going to say it again, I feel like a broken record. Off to the doctors, please. Yes. Oh, look, it's it's sensible advice. So thank you for that. And thank you for a, another really interesting discussion about something that makes me feel quite unwell. But thank you, Sarah. Thanks for coming in today. Oh, it's always my pleasure to make you feel a little uneasy. <laughs> That's Sarah Hunt said she'll be back for our next episode, answering all your questions about starting solids. And this is going to be a special live event. So you can join us on Thursday, the 6th of April at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just check out the notes in this episode for the links, or you can email us at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. See you then. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.